0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, Church. How are we doing today? Happy Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully, you guys have some wonderful plans. A little bit. What? What? What's something fun that someone's doing this weekend? Feel free to raise your hand from the peanut gallery and share. Fiesta Hermosa. So that was that was going to be mentioned later, but I'm going to do a plug for Casey right now. His band is playing at Fiesta Hermosa, what time? What time? What time? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. So any, any Monday. If you don't know about Fiesta Hermosa, it's on a Monday, on Memorial Day. So that has nothing to do with the lesson today, but actually a little bit, a little bit. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay, good. So, uh, my name, if you don't know, my name is Red Butler. I serve in a full-time capacity here for the South Bay Church of Christ along with my wife. She's somewhere running around. Um, it has been, I just checked the date, it's been two years. The Butlers have been here for two years. Um, and I say that because it's been an absolute joy. It really, I mean, there's ups and downs, left and right, right? Like any profession or just anything you do when you endeavor with God. But, oh, we love... The South Bay Church, so Amen. so much. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, I wasn't saying that for feedback, but it, occasionally it does help the heart a little bit, right? Um, you guys are pretty awesome, warts and all. I gotta say that. Uh, yeah, we try our best. Uh, before we get in lesson, we're gonna start a new seven part series, which I'm kind of pretty excited about. Uh, we'll get going to more in a sec. But I did want to mention my uh, my grandpa. Uh, This is a little bit of a touching moment. Uh, He served in World War II. He was one of the, uh, he passed away early last year at 98 years old. So prior to his passing, he was one of the last remaining Mexican World War II veterans. And he received his citizenship by fighting in the war as a paratrooper. Um, And so, you know, Tito, his name, one of the things I love about Tito is that every chance, because you get older, right, so he's turning 85 We have a big celebration, because honestly, we thought maybe he'd pass, right? And so Tito gets the mic, and he spends the next five minutes talking about Jesus. And next thing you know, it's 90. We think Tito's going to pass sometime soon. (laughs) Tito gets the mic. Tito starts talking about Jesus. And then he's 95. (laughs) And then uh, ultimately on his deathbed, he was talking to my family about going to church and deepening the relationship with God. So I just want to acknowledge him uh, for today. So switching gears to Dinner with Jesus, very excited about this, right? It's a bit of a whimsical title, but we'll make sure to have, you know, hearty, spiritual, solid food within that as well. Uh, We're going to look particularly at stories that involve Jesus and some type of meal. So we'll start the first one in Luke 5 shortly. But before we do that, I think it's only fitting since I'm preaching and we don't know where it's going to go, that I should pray. (laughs) Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for our time together. Excuse me. We just feel so blessed. We feel so loved by you, God. You give us so many gifts that we don't deserve. You protect us, God. You show us your nature and who you are through your word, through your son, through just different manifestations in this life. You give us a spiritual body for which we can worship together, which we we can grow together. We can pronounce and proclaim your name, the manifold wisdom of God. We thank you so much for a Sunday. We're just able to sing songs to you, to see each other, to hear your word preached. You're an amazing Father. We honor you. We lift you up with this service today. We pray that it's a sweet-smelling aroma to your nostrils. Pray, God, that you use me. Allow me to be a vessel for your Holy Spirit, that you work as only you can. Open our hearts and minds to your scripture. Allow us to go away feeling closer to you, feeling encouraged, inspired, inspired challenged, convicted, whatever we need, that we receive it this morning. We thank you so much, God, for loving us the way that you do. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this is going to be a seven-part series for what you're excited about, the first one of which is entitled Bad Company. Bad Company. Now, I don't know what you think about Bad Company. Maybe it was a band in the 70s that some of you might be very familiar with. Some of you are rocking out your head right now. Uh, others might have been a video game that came out in the 2000s. It just depends on where you're at on the you know, the millennial or whatever spectrum you are. But in any case, <laughs> we'll get into scriptures. But before we do, I have a little bit of an opening question. You know, a little brain, get us going, work our minds a little bit. When was your last memorable meal? Now, this is not rhetorical. I would like the peanut gallery to share. When was your last memorable meal? Oh, oh, So yeah, you can clap that up. So, for those that don't know, uh, we started the church league again for basketball, and the, the South Bay Waves, we won, which was fun. Um, but by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, we were 8 we 0. Were we were undefeated. And uh, we, we had a meal to celebrate, so that was pretty cool. Uh, in the back. Okay, Wait, way to go, Jerry! Way to go, Jerry! <laughs> in hu- in husband fashion, he said, "I was just following instructions." We'll go, Julie, then, uh, then Dave. My graduation dinner with my friends and family. Graduation dinner, folks. <laughs> Dominguez Hills. DH. Yes. Yes. And what what do we get in again? Bachelor Human Resources. Awesome. We're going to mention that again in two weeks, but we just got to mention it now as well. So, <laughs>
1: congratulations.
0: Oh wow! (laughs) Yeah, that's so a California French Japanese fusion. That that sounds delicious. Okay, I'll get the plane ticket and be out there next time. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Appreciate that. Anybody else on this side? amazing. company was amazing. Uh, it was kind of a bittersweet thing as we were the country. Yeah. Was that the WhatsApp video that, you, or yeah. WhatsApp yeah. call? Yes. Okay. I remember that one. I got a front row view to that indirectly. Uh, uh, Calvin and then Mark. Uh, for me it was uh, when the, the, the birthday dinner uh, that uh, Elaine made was beautiful brisket. Amen. Amen. I like everything but the, bis- the brisket because of my pescatarian faculties. I, actually, I'm just jealous if I'm being honest. Time to go theological. Here we go. Yeah, we're, we're praying for you, right <laughs> They're praying that I go back to the, uh, the carnivore diet. Mark? Yes, we had a lunch yesterday to celebrate Xander graduating. Woohoo! Amen. And just a heads up, I saw Xander yesterday and congratulate him as well. It's good to see him. Casey. Uh,
1: Michelle and I just went up to see our, our daughter, family, and grandkids. And uh, it was just beautiful to have the whole family there. And, and one of the kids, uh, like my grandson, got to say the prayer. Oh, wow. It was, it was great. Yeah, it was Amen. Amazing. Yeah. Amen.
0: yeah. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Good, wonderful family meals uh, with a young and praying. That's pretty encouraging. Last one.
1: Uh, it was when our small group got together
0: after church a few Sundays ago. We got together. The potluck we just got together. And we're doing it again today, so it's going to be the next couple
1: of days. Amen. For those that didn't hear that, that was a
0: small group potluck, uh, potluck gathering. So very encouraging. So that's great to hear and an inspiration, hopefully, that trickles out just to the rest of the fellowship. Just saying. Just saying. So, you know, meals can uh, they can be very memorable times, right? Yeah. You know, I think of a meal we had, uh, Martini and I, at uh, Justin and Magdalena Pink's house. This was, uh, this was a while back, maybe about two years ago. But there was a, there was a seared ahi tuna. Uh, there was arugula. There was little tiny uh, jalapenos. Uh, avocado. And I can't remember what the sauce was. We were talking about it. We were like, Magdalena. Wow, I think there was a glass of Snoop Dogg's wine. I'm not going to say that or not. I don't know if he did or did, but just, yes, he does have that, Um, but just, it was an amazing time together, just getting to know each other, and the food was, food was delicious. So let's get into this, you know, times of meals, you can, a meal can build a community, right? A a, a meal can start a, a mission. A meal is a place where you can experience God's grace, in its various forms, if you've ever had a good cook, you're like, wow, I can feel the grace of God going from esophagus to stomach in this exact moment, right? And there's one meal we pick up in Luke 5. So a little bit of backstory, <clears throat> just so we have context. Jesus starts his ministry, right, in Luke 4. Um, he starts performing miracles, you know, teaching, healing, casting out demons. Uh, in Luke 5, you start seeing, uh, and part of 6, which gets a little bit of opposition, Right? Because he's doing some things that are new. He's teaching things that are new. The, the religious leaders of the day, those that know the law, they're, they're concerned about his theology, about his approach. <clears throat> and on surface, it might seem valid, but we'll dig into, you know, why they have those thoughts. In Luke 5:27, this is right after uh, Jesus heals the paralytic, if you remember that story. So he tells this guy to basically do, he, before he says to pick up your mat and walk, he says that your sins are forgiven. So who's allowed on earth to say that your sins are forgiven? Just Jesus, so you know the, the Pharisees have a theological issue with that, right? And then he tells them, "Okay, well, just if I, you want me to say <clears throat> his sins are forgiven, then we'll just say, pick up your mat and walk." And he does. And so we pick it up in Luke five. This is right after that. Currently, Jesus is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I can't remember the uh, the. the um, I actually, I think I read it down. It's an Israel modern day city. It's called Drumroll, please. Almagor. I wanted to get it right. I was going to say like Armageddon or something random. But Bruce Willis is not in this movie. But it's Almagor. And so uh, he just kind of, you know, teach on the sea. Jesus had that habit sometimes. He would teach by the water, right? And so he goes from the water. And as he leaves the water, he sees this guy, uh, Matthew slash Levy, the tax collector, in his booth. And so pick it up from there. Verse 27. After this. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. I usually like to say Levi, but it's not, you know, it's not the genes. He's Jewish. Sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have, come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the church said, Amen. Amen. So if you've been around church for a while, You are familiar with the idea, or at least the the position, profession of a tax collector in ancient times. Now, he is working for the Roman government. He is protected by King Herod. He's collecting revenue for the Roman government. So how do you think the Jewish community feels about him? Uh, Best friends, right? They love him. (laughs) They're not BFFs. You know, he's, he's obviously despised. This is someone that most people don't want to hang out with. They're, generally speaking, not observing the law in some form or fashion, right? Because he literally betrayed his own people. And so Jesus goes to this guy in typical Jesus fashion. He has this habit of just walking. Now, I don't know Levy's backstory, you know. And Levy is Matthew if you're kind of wondering. Sometimes you read one story like in Mark 2 or you read this story in, in Luke 5 or if you read another story in Matthew 9, he has both names, right? And so whether it's a Greek and Hebrew thing with Matthew Levy or it's like a name change thing where Jesus calls like Simon Peter or he says Saul becomes <clears throat> Not quite sure from a scholarly standpoint, but it's important to know that they are the same person. Amen? Yeah. The Bible didn't get it wrong. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Some people like to fight that and argue that. And so Jesus, in, in that fashion, whether Levi knew about him already because he had started his ministry, or there was some, you know, maybe he heard him in the distance as he was preaching by a lake, we have no idea. But when Jesus came up, there was a large crowd with him. That's what the Bible says in Mark 2, right? And so he has his crowd with him. He has his disciples with him. He looks at Levi and he says the words, follow me. Levy, Matthew, is doing quite well at the time. In the, in the modern language, modern team vernacular, he's balling. <laughs> he is, you know what I mean, he has some funds. Uh, he has the comfort and the protection of the Roman Empire. It says after this, you know, he has a large banquet at his house. You can't afford to have a large banquet at your house unless you have space for it and the money for it. And he has both an ample supply, correct? Jesus says, follow me. It's a little scary. What does that mean? If I follow this guy, I leave my tax booth, I give up my position, I give up my revenue stream. Most, you know, a lot of tax collectors at the time were cheats, so they had, you know, skimple off the top. I don't know if he did or didn't. But suffice to say, this guy's making money, and he says in that moment, all right, where you want to go, I will go. And so they have this time together. They have this meal together. I'm very curious about what Jesus said. I don't know how you feel about that. Because they have this, obviously, sit at the, you know, picture this for a second. You're sitting at the table, Levi's there, Jesus' disciples. What's the conversation like? What's the topics of discussion? How is Jesus handling this, right? Because he's around people for all intents purposes that are nothing like him. I'm the son of God, These people don't even follow the the, the law that I laid out for them, the 600-plus commands. But how do they feel in that moment? I mean, they're comfortable, right? right? They're having discussions. It's it's the outside influence that kind of comes in and muffles it up a little bit. And some of the things they say, right? The Pharisees say, why do you you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Excuse me. In Matthew 9, in the other version, verse 13, Jesus tells them this as a reply before he goes into, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, if you take that back a bit, that goes to Hosea 6. six. Hosea was a minor prophet during a time in Israel. He preached the northern kingdom. It was a tumultuous time where they had like six kings in, in 20 years. This is a time where they're about to be taken over by the Assyrians in 722 uh, B.C. because they did not follow the word of God. So Hosea has this tough task of telling difficult truths in a difficult situation that seems to be all for naught on top of that, God says I want you to marry a promiscuous woman think about that for a second is that your first choice on the dating sites or is people swiping I want to to marry someone that has uh, infidelity tendencies (laughs) that's what God commanded him to do as a testimony to the Israelites because of their spiritual unfaithfulness you are cheating on me, basically, what God said. There's a scripture that I want to read just to, right before that. It says in Hosea 6, I'll pull this up real quick. This is picking up in verse 4. What can I do with you, Ephraim, which is Israel? What can I do with you, Judah? That was the southern kingdom. Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with my word, the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgment of God rather than burnt offerings. And I think this is interesting because right after this, the Assyrian kingdom came in and they took out Israel. What happened in 70 AD? Fast forward to Jesus' times. 70 AD, the Romans came in, they destroyed the temple. Right, So there's some parallels here that they wouldn't even understand the moment that were about to occur with the Israelite people. And why did it happen? Because they offered up sacrifices. They did some burnt offerings, right? Goats, bulls, and rams. But their heart was for a false god. Their heart was for Baal. They were in fertility cults. They practiced dark arts. They did things that were contrary to what God did while also offering up a religious rite. And so Jesus said, go learn learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So what does that mean for us? It's interesting. But the more religious we get in terms of letting our heart deviate from God, but performing religious Christian acts, we start becoming a people that put our nose up. We get in a place where we look at those that are the others. In the passage, it actually says that they were others. When he gets to the Pharisees' mention of them, of of the group, he calls them Sinners, right? And so, our hearts, if, if we have something else going on that takes our affection, yeah. that is our focus, our true focus, and our true joy, and then we look at the world, instead of seeing that there's a health, that, we, that we're healthy and Jesus is a doctor and we need to bring the sick to Him, we start seeing a people that we begin to judge and we put our noses up at, and they say, And this was the Pharisees' mindset, right? We want everything to be clean. You have to be ceremonially clean. you got to wash your hands before you eat. You have to do all these rituals and principles that were more, let's be honest, they're kind of more bourgeoisie, like, you know what I mean? It was more about, it was harder to do it, but the more money you had, the easier it was to do. Right? Right? And so that was their focus. And so all they see is Jesus and his disciples eating with a people, and they didn't wash their hands. They weren't ceremonially clean. Jesus' focus was completely different. This is one thing I love about Jesus. This is when you get away from religion and you focus on true following of God. You become a people, you become an individual that does not look at someone from the outside. And we know the passage. We know where where the Bible says where, you know, God looks at the heart because he chose King David, who was the person that was least likely to be king, but because God looks at his heart, he, he determines differently. We know that. Right? But to be a people that look at this world and say, I vehemently disagree with everything you stand for. But you know what? You know the first thing that you're going to feel for me is love. Wow. You're going to feel like I love you first before anything else. Scripture says, blessed is a man does not condemn himself by what he approves. Let that sink in for a second. We've got an election cycle coming soon, folks. On our- right? What side are you on? You want a battle? Let's have a you know. i like, and people get really excited on Facebook about that. And they can't wait to share their opinions, right? But what do you do when you're sharing your opinions so much? You start alienating yourself from the people that you're supposed to love,
1: right?
0: right? People have to feel and experience our love, like Jesus at the dinner table. Right. Yep. Does not agree with their lifestyle. They don't follow any of his any of the commands laid out in the Old Testament. I wonder how many of you are circumcised. You're know, like, I'm sure probably at least they got that one down, right? But they're not following God, and, and he's at the table talking with them. And they're in rapt attention. Grant, I might be taking some liberties, but let's be honest. How would you feel if you're around Jesus? Wouldn't you love that conversation? Asking questions? You're going to feel encouraged. You're going to feel challenged. You're going to feel inspired. You're going to feel I'm questioning my whole existence at this moment, but you know what? I kind of like it. Yeah. Like, where is this headed? Where is he going? What random town is he going to next? Say, how about I just hop along, and we just go on this ride together? Yeah, it's kind of like a tra- weird traveling circus. <laughs> Think about it, right? It's like a weird circus. Jesus performed miracles. Occasionally, I like, get fed. And then you get to, like, John 6, and he starts, calling, he starts doing some difficult teachings. Then people are like, well, I don't like that teaching. And then they run away. <laughs> right? But, but, you know, eventually you thin out the herd, right? Because you, you have difficult truths. But you have to start somewhere. And I can't think of a better place to start than for all of us than at the dinner table.
1: That's Right?
0: Come on. Right At the dinner table. So many moments I've had with my family at the dinner table that I'm like, that was good. I'm trying to think of like bad dinners and or bad dinner discussion. And every time we were intentional and we sat down and we had the conversations, it was an absolute blast. Nice. We had so much fun connecting with family. Right. I think we, we did it this past week. We were just talking, laughing with the kids. I'm like this is good stuff. We, to, we probably need to use this dinner table more often. Yes. I think so. It's collecting a little dust. You know, like sometimes we want to keep things clean. Like, I want to keep the dinner table clean, so we'll just eat right here on the counter. And you're like, it's not the same. It's not the same. And so there's interesting questions that you can kind of consider and bring up. I mentioned this about I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's very important for us, right? It's not the health you need, a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, when I look at this passage, it, it, it can kind of seem, if you're not careful, you can go on a Christian crusade with this passage. Because I have not come to call right, right, uh, the righteous but sinners to repentance. Like, I am this harbinger of truth. I'm on this crusade for Christ. And so i got to help the, the sick to, to be healthy, right? And many of us, if, if we're honest, at some point in time, we could go into that mindset. Where it's like, in one sense that's true. Because we're all ambassadors for Christ, right? Yeah, you are supposed to show the truth. You are supposed to teach people about God. I like what Augustine said. He said, preach. And when necessary, use words. Mm-hmm. I like that approach. Yeah. And and, my, and this is one of, the, one of the issues that people have with Christianity, is they see people talking a lot about their beliefs, but they don't actually see them in the community right. acting, serving loving. They don't feel and experience what it's like to be at a Christian dinner table. On, and this isn't to make you feel guilty or bad. What it is, it's to open, open up ourselves a little bit. Right. Let's push aside all, right, all our different ideals we have, political and otherwise, for a second, and let's start making connections with people that are nothing like us. Amen. Right? Or is, well, is this to become an evangelistic message? A little bit. But, like, it's deeper than that. Right. We want to be a people that others want to be around us not just because you think you have superior biblical knowledge and intellect but because you live a life that is superior because the love of God exudes and overflows through you I think that's the life that Jesus wants and guess what in that process you're going to speak some truth John 1 says that Jesus came speaking or it says talking about he was full embodiment of grace and truth right So he said the difficult things. Unabated. He had no problem telling somebody about themselves. Especially if they're religious. (laughs) He let them have it. There's a whole chapter about, I think, Matthew 24, right? Like seven woes. It just kind of goes on forever, right? But in the same vein, people felt deeply loved by him. So the challenge for us as disciples of Jesus Christ is are we willing to do both? And that takes... A sober judgment an honest assessment of where we're at now. Where do you vacillate kind of towards? Right. What's the end of the scale? Are you more grace or are you more truth? Right? For me, I'm naturally, and I've gotten better over the years because God will just like hammer stuff out of me, but I'm more naturally a people pleaser. I'm more about grace. I'm more about having everyone feel loved and accepted and part of something. And then truth is like, well, do I want to upset them? Do I want to make them angry? So I want to put this relationship on the line and maybe we don't have this friendship anymore. Over the years, I'm starting to find a balance where it's like, what you see is what you get. And I think that's what Jesus did. When he went in this dinner discussion, he makes no bones about who he is and why he's there and what he's about. I mean, he started his ministry. He's performing miracles. He's teaching. So they know who this guy is. So if I sit at your table, we're probably going to have a discussion about my father in heaven. We're probably going to have a discussion about the kingdom of heaven. I'm probably going to teach you something that you are not aware of that I'm going to try to make clear because it's just like this infinite knowledge base of God and, and all that he is and does and I want to shrink it down to like an agrarian society so you can understand. So I'm going to give you some of that as well. That's what they had with Jesus. And that's what people should have with us. Right. Amen. Who we are is who we are. I don't make bones about that. Now I don't go to work and, and start just talking about preaching the second I walk in and the meeting, the Monday morning meeting, Right? You can get you fired for that, but we can be shrewd as snakes. We can be shrewd as snakes. We can make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, right? There's plenty of opportunities where we can be exactly who we are, and Jesus makes it abundantly clear as long as we're close to him. The Holy Spirit will convict us. It will remind us. It will prompt us. And next thing you know, we're talking, and we're connecting, and we're saying all these difficult truths Or just loving somebody up in that moment with questions. But whatever it is, God will provide those opportunities as long as we're willing to sit at the table. We have to be willing to sit at the table. What do you think Jesus was discussing asking at Levi's table? I wanna hear some thoughts. What do you guys think? What was some of that discussion? We're gonna do some holy imagination right now, put some spiritual brain cells together. What do you think Jesus was discussing or asking? at Levy's dinner table. I mean, I mean because the centers, I mean, he
1: was kind of breaking down, like, so when you were doing this thing, what were you thinking, how were you feeling, how did you make it feel like, those kinds of conversations? Did yeah. Have have process through, why did I choose
0: this choice? Because yeah. Goes, you know, so Owen said about, you know, asking questions to get someone to think about their lives and why they're making certain decisions that they are. I think, I would imagine you just saying, Levy, what do you want your legacy? Mm. What do you want your legacy to be? Or where do you want your tombstone aside from cheese and pepperoni? That's a '90s joke. Wow. Sorry. Wow. What Woo! Went over the head for some of you, but for others. <laughs> well, she thought the was amazing. <laughs> it's definitely a dad joke. Casey. Where is it that you think you're going when you die?: Hmm. Where it is you think you're going when you die? That's deep. Yeah. Come on, Oscar. So, Come on, Oscar. Yeah. so Oscar said about family origin questions, right? Just getting to know somebody, you know where they're from, where they're at, what they're about. Granted, he knows all those things, but God does that, right? right. <laughs> what they thought about the Heat What they He did a sports reference about the Miami Heat, but we won't go into that one. Mm. Dave said, "What's the quality of your relationships?" That's a good one. Yeah, so you mentioned about current affairs and, and topics of the day. What gives you true happiness? What gives you true happiness? That's a good one. Rich? Why now and why us? Yeah. Last one. Yeah, yeah, this food is great. It's good. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was accused of being a a, a glutton and a drunkard, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's an aspect where it is very organic. I'm getting to know somebody, and then in the process of that, there will be situations and conversations that prompt up. He's raising his hands. So I'll go one more. Last one. Thank you for that. So uh, Dave mentioned about if, you know, since Levy just converted in a sense and started following Jesus, that they would discuss more that, uh, what that entails and what's, what's the next steps after such a, let's just say life altering decision. Amen. I have some closing thoughts for you guys as we wrap out, wrap up shortly. We do have uh, Casey Purvis who's going to come up next and uh, he's going to do, uh, share our, uh, his thoughts and communion as well as his testimony. So I'm very excited about that. We can, we can, yeah. You can kind of look, you know, happy about that snapping. But before we get into that, two closing thoughts. I want you to consider about this: Would people of any creed, ethnicity, race, sexual behavior, attraction, orientation, or socioeconomic status feel welcome at shore dinner table? Say it again. Would people of any creed? Ethnicity, race, sexual behavior, attraction, orientation, or socioeconomic status, feel welcome at your dinner table. This is the heart of what we're talking about. Jesus was all things to all men. All men felt loved by him. All men felt called by, hired by him. But there has to be a place where they can come to you and feel, let's just say, safe. Amen. Two, how will your next dinner party include, quote unquote, bad company? So, not just the music in the background, right? But let's open up our hearts. Let's open up our houses. Let's open up our dinner tables. Let's invite people into our lives. We profess faith, we say we believe in Jesus. We say we have something to offer? Well, then by Almighty God, show it. Right. Show them who you are and what you're about. And if we're about what we are say we're about, guess what they're going to feel? No. They're going to feel some grace. And they're also going to hear some truth. That's right. Amen. Amen. Amen? Thank you so much for your time. I give you Casey Purvis.
1: Hi, everybody. How are you? Um, So grateful to be here uh, with my lovely wife, Michelle. And uh, I'm going to give my my testimony today. Um, Michelle was going to, she's not quite ready yet, so she's going to do it at another time. And um, so I'm just going to tell mine right now, and and, uh, just grateful to be here. Um, First of all, an opportunity for community, as this whole thing is about. you guys have always been so supportive of my music and uh, this weekend is an actual opportunity for us to experience community um, at Fiesta Hermosa down here, the big yeah. festival. And if, if you noticed, I'm clean shaven today, which is rare, because I play Rod Stewart um, in a Rod Stewart tribute called Forever Rod. So yeah, so I'm, I'm playing. Um, if you guys would like to come down and join us, uh, we would love to see you. It's this Monday tomorrow at 4 p.m., at Fiesta Hermosa, right next to the pier. So, anyway, um, <laughs> okay. thank you. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk about uh, how I came to Christ and the change that it made in me. Um, so, I grew up in a, in a, I grew up in Hollywood um, in a household that was um, kind of crazy. My father was a pretty raging alcoholic. Uh, and he there was a lot of domestic violence in my in my house growing up um, it was It was kind of crazy and um, <clears throat> I got into gangs at a very young age, which is weird for a little white guy and um, I did and what saved me was that uh, I got into music i met I met some people that were That were interested in music and I had started playing guitar when I was about six years old and and my dad bought me a piano and and music kind of took me away from that and and um you know it, it it saved me in a way but then it also thrust me into kind of a crazy lifestyle too because as I started getting older I started getting into bands and playing Hollywood and all the strip and and got involved with record companies and and just got caught in that whole lifestyle um, with drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and, um, you know, had a daughter out of wedlock um, with a girl that was pretty much just a one-night stand and that daughter um, changed me. That was the beginning of my change when, when my daughter was born and uh, I knew I had to get my life together at that point because I had a daughter to to support and take care of. And um, you know, I, I never had any because my father my father was he was tall and handsome and um he was a womanizer. Um he cheated on my moms constantly and um yeah he was you know, I had he had three kids with three different moms. I have four brothers and we all have different moms, actually four. And um so I, I had terrible role models um and I had no idea how to have a relationship and my my first marriage was um a nightmare it was was terrible um and then my second marriage was even worse um i i got involved with uh don't want to go into too much detail but um she was bipolar and it was uh it was a very very rough marriage and a lot of cheating on on her part that i found out and um it was just a mess but she was a christian and the funny thing was even when I was a little kid, I always had a pull towards God. My dad was an atheist, my mom was spiritual. Um, you know, she was uh, one of those that she 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 believes she's a Christian, but I don't really think that she is. And um, but I always had a pull towards God, and so I started going to a Catholic church with my buddy when I was little, and I used to love going to church and listening to God's word, but it was it was difficult because they were speaking in Latin half the time, and um, I was thoroughly confused, but <laughs> I don't know what they're saying, but they're saying something good, but it was, I guess it was just the community that, like, made me feel part of something, and, and I felt, and I always felt this draw to God, and so... Growing up, I always had this, uh, you know, spirituality to me, right? You know, you know something's there, but you don't really know what it is. And you know it's bigger than you. Thank God um, there is something out there bigger than us because uh, life would be really, really tough if we didn't have that. And so as I got older, one thing I was grateful for was I was able to get into a good career as an electrician. Um, I started in my 20s, and I kept doing it. And I, so I made pretty decent money from a young age and, um, I went to work for this company and my foreman started talking to me about Jesus on the way to our jobs every day. And he was a Christian and he really kind of got me moving and he sat down with me and started reading the Bible with me. And, um, by this time I had moved to Santa Clarita and I was raising my kids. Um, and my second child had been born at this point, I was married for the second time. Um, we're actually, and, uh, Anyway, when he introduced me to Christ, I started going to a church uh, in Santa Clarita, which was a really good church, a Grace Community Church, um, Grace Baptist Church, which was a part of uh, John MacArthur's, it it was an offshoot of John MacArthur's Grace Community Church. And I really liked it, but it was a huge church, and I didn't feel a lot of community in that church. It was very spread out. You know, people didn't really talk to each other much. You went to church, you went home, and that was it. Um, and then, um, and then I was fortunate enough to meet my magnificent wife. Um, and I'd been divorced. I was raising my my children as a single dad. And, uh, we met, we went to high school together. Um, we knew each other, um, during high school and we fell out of touch for 30 something years and met again at a buddy's 50th birthday party. Um, the ironic part was she brought them together her the the guy that it was his birthday she brought he, him to his wife and they got married and so when we uh went to this birthday party um michelle and i started dating and the guy said to me wouldn't it be funny if you and michelle got married and i was like no i'm not ready for that no 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 no, no. no not yet and and so michelle and i started dating very casually and the one thing that 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 um it just it blew me away that this woman had such a heart for God. Um and we weren't like we hadn't been baptized yet, but we were we were always talking about God and trying to find a church. Um and, and then um we split up for a while, went through some crazy changes and then um we kind of fixed those things and we decided that and when when that got fixed I was just like, I gonna marry this woman. And so yeah. Took her up to, to Cambria. <laughs> I took her up to Cambria, California and proposed on a beach and I put a bunch of flowers in the sand and uh, had someone set this whole thing up and it said, marry me, Michelle. And she walks up and she looks at the roses and she goes, oh my gosh, we shouldn't walk on this. This is, <laughs> this, is this must be something like really uh, spiritual. And, and she said, And her name's Michelle (laughs) and I said I said honey read it read it and she said she said marry me Michelle and I got down on my knee and and she looked at me and she's like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) and I said well will you and she and she said yes yes and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> that was the, the, mo- the one of the most magnificent days of my entire life. Um, it was incredible when she said yes. And, um, after that we got married and we started living together and I, I moved down here, um, cause she, I was living in Santa Clarita and she was living at the beach and she was like, Are you kidding? We're not moving to the valley. Come live at the beach. So I did. And um, I came to live with her. I sold my house and and, uh, came to live with her in our apartment by the ocean, which is absolutely beautiful. And we were constantly talking about uh, joining a church. And we never found anything. It was difficult because of our time. And and, and one day, we're walking down through through, uh, the um, Hollywood Riviera. And we come across this gentleman over here, Mr. Steve, and he's wearing his Steeler jacket and Jackie, and there was a few other, I think, Andy and Corrine over there, I think, and and we got into this, oh yeah, it was Dave, yeah, and we got into this conversation about the Steelers, because we are huge Steeler fans, and um, Steve started talking to us, and he invited us to church, and uh, when we started coming to church we just felt this community like we had never experienced before um it was nothing like the church that I had belonged to in Santa Clarita and we understood we started to learn about baptism and about because we'd never been baptized and what that truly meant and um I did finally um we did finally get baptized. Uh, ironically, they asked me to share my testimony today, and my uh, my spiritual birthday is June first in a couple of days, so which is which is awesome. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have that picture of my? Um, do you want to show it? Yeah, this was uh, this was my baptism on the beach. Um, it was amazing, and uh, Steve dunked me good. <laughs> You should have seen the way he dunked her, though, oh my goodness <laughs> but it was an amazing blessing, and um you know I just um, the community within this church has been so such a blessing to us, and um it's it's God has taught me to be a much better husband, has taught me about relationships from because I never had like i said, I never had good role models, so um what is teaching me to be a decent husband and has allowed us to be together now for 14 years um, is the Bible and learning and understanding. And this church um, has just been such a blessing to me. Um, I'm so incredibly grateful. So anyway, I did want to read uh, one. Um, oh, I forgot my phone. There was a... <laughs> I just wanted to read... Okay. Check. Oh, there we go. Okay. Just wanted to read this, and then I'm going to pray for communion. So this really stood out to me. Um, I looked up uh, community in the Bible, and this, this really struck me, too. I thought this was great. Um, so this is from Galatians 6.2, and um, it says, Carry each other's burdens... And in and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ, and um, you know that that is that is so true. Um, you know, because, and that's the the biggest thing that we felt from this church is is that you guys do you're there for us, and 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 we're there for each other. That's that's the greatest thing that I felt about this. So, um, as we get ready for communion, um, I would just like to say a prayer. And I would like to um, remind us really what communion is about. And, you know, during my time of not being a Christian, um, I did things that I'm not proud of. And uh, I had a hard time forgiving myself for so many things. And the fact that I know that Christ died for me and gave everything, 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 so that I could be forgiven. And the fact that I remember someone reading that scripture that, that he forgets about it. So even if you talk to him, and remind him about his sins, he's just like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. We are forgiven because God died for us on the cross. And when we do take that communion, we are reminded that we are taking his flesh and his blood. Right? That he gave everything on that cross so that we could have life and that we are forgiven to me. And that was just, you know, that's what communion is, is to me, truly. So anyways, <clears throat> I'm going to pray for communion. Blessed Father, thank you so much for bringing us together here and um, giving, this, giving us this opportunity of community to be together as, as your family under you um, in your house And, Lord, we are just reminded that you gave everything on that cross. You gave your life so that we could be forgiven. And you shed your blood. You gave everything on that cross, Lord. And um, no matter what we do, no matter what we've done, we've been forgiven through you. Thank you for that incredible gift, God. We are so grateful to you, our loving Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.